Hello and welcome to Disrupt TV. My name is Vala Afshar, Chief Digital Evangelist for Salesforce and your co-host for the next 20 to 30 minutes. We welcome you to follow us on Twitter at Disrupt TV Show. Send us your questions live using hashtag Disrupt TV. This is our special edition Disrupt TV live from the World Economic Forum at Davos. It's my pleasure to introduce my co-host. He's the CEO founder of Constellation Research. He's a best-selling author of Disrupting Digital Business, regular contributor to Harvard Business Review, ZDNet, and many media publications. I tend to see him now lately on CNBC and Fox Business. And in my humble opinion, one of the best futurists to follow on Twitter, at R-W-A-N-G-0. Welcome, Ray Long from Davos. Hey, thanks a lot. I'm here with my co-host, Bala Ashar, one of the top influencers, not only for CMOs, but also CIOs, Salesforce's chief digital evangelist, but more importantly, an author, a blogger, and someone who shares a lot. And more importantly, we're doing this special edition on what's happening here in Davos. So what do we, who do we have here, Bala? Tell me. Well, you know, the theme at Davos is Globalization 4.0, and it's our distinct pleasure to have Tefan Dano Khan, Chief Marketing Officer at SAP Ariba, as our first guest. Tiffin uh, is the Chief Marketing Officer and responsible for leading and defining the global market vision for the business. SAP Ariba helps companies buy smarter, sell faster, and manage cash better in a digital economy. She's a fantastic follow on Twitter at D-A-N-O-K-W-A-N. Welcome, Tiffin, to Disrupt TV. My pleasure to be here. So, hey, we've been here in Davos. It's been very interesting, lots of conversations. But one of the things that you're working on is something about three trillion points. And I wanted to start there because it's very, very interesting because it's a bold vision and it's something that's talking about where you're heading and what kind of future is. So let's start there. It is my pleasure to talk about it and introduce the three trillion reasons to help the world spend better. That is the name of the campaign and literally the movement that we really hope to launch and that uh, we hope to inspire across the world to really raise awareness about the value of spending. Why three trillion reasons? Well, it's simple. The Ariba network is actually a network that connects buyers and suppliers together around the world across 190 countries. And what those millions of buyers and suppliers do on an annual basis is transact. And right now, they transacted at a value of almost $3 trillion. It's about 10% of the total value of global uh, trade in the world annually. Wow. 10% of it. That's amazing. It's it three trillion reasons to really ask the people, how do you want those trillions of dollars to be spent? And how do we do it collectively? Now, there's a lot of factors behind that, right? Especially when we're looking at these procurement supply chains, we're thinking about um, social development goals, we're thinking about responsibility, right? What, what do we have to do to make this work? You know, I think it starts with having honorable goals. We have to go back to the basics. What are companies aiming to achieve around the world? If your goal is honorable, if you stand behind a just cause, then everything falls well. And the supply chains are actually critical in executing on those honorable goals. When you think about it, any company who is trying to really make an impact, global, social, human impact, has to start with very strong values. And that's at the core of what Davos is talking about right now. When you, when you think about the key topics that are happening right now, topics around trust, around leadership, the leadership of tomorrow to really drive the globalization agenda. 
I think that the work that we do across the supply chains and bringing transparency, sustainability across the supply chains is absolutely critical in a world that has become digital. You know, as you mentioned, yeah, in this new um, digital economy where there's tremendous discussions around trust, around free trade, uh, around immigration, uh, technology and jobs, growth and equality, these are all big topics and require uh, let's call it purposeful procurement. Why does purposeful procurement in action matter in what has been named uh, globalization Ford Auto era? It matters because it's a reality. It really is. If you take the world of procurement and especially what SAP Riva is doing, we care about procurement in action. We make it a reality through the solutions that we sell. The three things that actually become are a reality already today. We care about making an impact on the suppliers who really care about human rights, workforce rights. That's one of the things we do. We do it by helping companies pre-qualify suppliers who really are supporting those, those rights. So that's number one. We care about energy and climate change, and that has the ability to happen through the supply chain process. We can absolutely enforce compliance rules to really care and select the suppliers who really care about that. We also care, and that's the last point, we care about responsible sourcing. And that is absolutely critical. When we select suppliers that are compliant that really have a cut of conduct to be responsible, to be sustainable, it actually translates in looking at local owned companies, saving local, thinking global, saving local, all those things are absolutely critical. And when you think about the way we live, everything we purchase, whether it's closing, whether it's making things, uh, providing services, all of it has to be procured the right way moving forward. We know this is critical, the clock is ticking, and I do believe that the solutions that are we are providing are absolutely tangible in that pursuit. Right, and what you're actually able to do at the end is actually take a mission and purpose and a brand and tie it back to a source of mission on the back end, which is very hard for lots of organizations. Yeah, but the, the power we have with our network is visibility. It's the power of data, it's the power of insights, and it empowers companies to truly look at it, prepare, plan for it, procure, source, all the way through, all the way to pay, to payment. So that's the power of procurement that literally transforms the CPOs of today as chief purpose officers. That's really what they can do, and they're empowered to do so. That's quantifiable, and it's actually insightful, which actually gives them the ability right. to do that. Absolutely. So, what are you hearing here at Davos? What are interesting trends that you've seen uh, in conversations that you've been having with customers and conversations with other people that are attending? What's new? What, what sticks out for you? Well, what's actually really active is the topic around spending and good spending. Good spending is good business. So that's one, and global trading at, uh, at the digital level, that one is, is a big topic. I think redefining the value of leadership is something that I keep hearing over and over. So you have a lot of business leaders who are being interviewed about their sense and the values of leadership. And that, I think, is very much aligned with the topic of trust and the need to redefine what trust means and how we need to drive all those policies based on that. So that I hear a lot. What I hear also a lot is equality. 
So the power of uh, minorities, the power of women, and the place of women in society. So that translates really well in, in the topics that we have. The last one that is also really important is reconciling humans with technology. That is a very, very big topic. I think where it hits the road here um, with, with governments is the need for raising that topic at the local level of governments. And, and this is absolutely critical. So how technology and people and governments can work together and unify in the pursuit of really ensuring that we uh, use technology for the good of humans and that we lead with humans first. Terrific. It was uh, Steve Jobs who said the most powerful person in business is the storyteller. And today I saw uh, Jack Ma of Alibaba uh, inspire young entrepreneurs and folks at Davos in a fantastic way of really being authentic and, and radically transparent in his uh, way of telling his story and Alibaba's success story. Tiffin, you are a great storyteller. Uh, I'm reminded the role, the importance of CMOs uh, in terms of not only evangelizing the core values of a company, but also being able to educate and inspire and ignite positive action. And so uh, my question is, do you see other chief marketing officers at Davos doing an exceptional job like yourself in the last 10 minutes, very concisely articulating the importance of being a purpose-driven, value-driven company? I'm gonna be very biased here and I will, I'm gonna call out Alicia Tillman, from SAP, I really think she's an incredible, extraordinary, purposeful CMO. I saw her on stage. I saw her on stage also with the Google Cloud CMO and Deloitte CMO, it was extremely powerful. So these were highlights. They were talking about leadership, insightful leadership, purposeful leadership. And, and we have to absolutely continue this. I do believe that CMOs have an ability to not only make an impact on the business, which is really important, but also inspires I would say the digital marketers of the future, the digital buyers, salespeople of the future. I think that's what we need to do. And uh, we have uh, a very large audience here, but also um, on audiences and digital audiences and online audiences like yours. So I'm very glad to be part of this. Well, this is really great. We're here with Tiffin here, uh, CMO of SAP, Reba Leiter in Davos. Thank you so much for being here. It's my so, pleasure. I'll take care. So, all right. Live here at Davos. You never know who can expect that right here. You're terrific. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, good. We're going to bring on our next guest, uh, Ron. He's going to come up here, but in the meantime, we'll get some introductions. Thank you very much. So, so welcome. Yes. How are you doing? So, what are we have here today, Bala? It is, uh, again, our pleasure to have Ron Kao, founder and partner of Sky9 Capital. Uh, Ron is leading a technology venture firm focusing on investing in emerging opportunities in the internet enterprise, deep, uh, machine learning, deep learning technology sector in China. Ron was named uh, by Forbes China and CBN Weekly as one of the top Chinese venture capitalists, China's Midas list over multiple years. He's actively involved with various philanthropic pursuits, especially in the areas of children education, which is a big theme at Davos, and impact investing. Welcome, Ron, to Disrupt TV. Thank you. My pleasure. Hey, thanks for being here. I think one of the big things we've been trying to ask a lot of people is, kind of what's the investment scene? What's the climate like right now in the startup scene in China? We'll start there as a kind of conversation point. Well, I, think, I mean, it's, it's very active, certainly um, with the public market being down uh, second half last year, um, you know, there's been some pullback. Uh, some of the um, 
uh, slow down perhaps in the, in the, in the later stage rounds. But uh, you know, we're focused on early stage and it's really about company building, uh, working with top entrepreneurs, great ideas. Um, and and that's, there's, there's plenty of that going on in China. So our, our job is really to be very selective and try to find the right ideas that we feel very, you know, very strongly uh, in and uh, back to the right people. So that's, uh, that hasn't changed. Oh, that's good to hear. You know, I'm fortunate to work for a company that in terms of corporate venture capital, only behind uh, Google Ventures and Intel Capital, about 290 companies in our startup portfolio. We're at a cadence of investing in a startup once a week. And I also track Venture Scanner, which right now I think is about 2,800 startups just in the AI space that have fetched ah. 47 billion in venture funds. And of course, Dr. Kai-Fu Lee, who's gonna be speaking at Davos, speaks about AI superpower, where his thesis is, is China and US. And we can debate who's one and two in terms of dominating investments in the AI space in the next, uh, in the next, uh, in the foreseeable future. So my question to you, can you talk to us about activities specific to uh, smart robotics, natural language processing, machine learning, neural networks, and all of the technologies and solutions that encompass the AI space? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a very exciting space. We, um, you know, our strategy is to do about 10 to 15 deals a year. So we're very, very selective. Um, all of our investments are in consumer internet. Um, and also we're looking for disruption technology, AI and blockchain, you know, our view are the most disruptive technology facing, um, you know, sort of the, uh, uh, the opportunities going forward. And I think the challenge with AI, I, I, will, I will mention a couple of challenges. I think everybody here about the exciting things. Uh, the challenge with AI uh, in investing in startup or a few things. One is, um, you know, talent. It's really about talent investing. And uh, Alibaba, Baidu, and Tencent paying top dollar for top talent. You know, does a startup have the right kind of infrastructure to recruit and, and retain talent? That's a question mark. And two, AI machine learning is really all about data. So does a startup with access to limited data, um, they have a unique advantage. So. You know, we're very actively looking at the space, but, um, you know, it's, it's to be, you know, we're very selective and, and you know, meet those criteria. It's, it's quite hard sometimes to find the perfect deal. Uh, but as a sector, I would say uh, China is going to lead the charge in the world because it's at the high level. It's data, uh, access to data, um, you know, population, uh, focus from the government, the private sector. Uh, it's very much going to favor um, its development AI. That's a great point. Sorry. It's great. We look at like, AI deals, right? A lot of things that we try to figure out is, is the talent factor. I mean, people are paying something from, you know, something between 2.1 to 2.5 billion for folks with AI skills as a PhD, 1.2 million for people who are spending anywhere for what's going on on the uh, master side and about 500,000 is what people are paying for employees. So it's a, definitely a talent war that's going on yeah. on the AI side. Absolutely. In your points of view regarding blockchain, you have folks like Dan, Don Tapscott who wrote Blockchain Revolution and other thought leaders at Davos. And, and, and there's certain uh, incredible visionaries that believe that the impact of blockchain could be as great or greater than the internet. Um, and some believe that blockchain in terms of maturity, security scale adoption is where the web was maybe in 97, 98. Uh, what are your points of view in terms of blockchain? And what can we expect in terms of use cases across all sectors, not just cryptocurrency, all sectors from manufacturing, retail, in terms of how blockchains adopted in business? Yeah, we've been focused on the sector since 2013. We're one of the early investors, uh, institutional investors in, in the space and Bitcoins and exchanges, uh, been tracking the space. Um, I, again, I would, I would 
caution this with a couple points. I think that the upside, I think everybody's very excited about, is that um, I think my experience with any new technology, in the short to medium term, people tend to be overly enthusiastic about applications. And in the long run, they could be perhaps um, underestimating the applications. I think we were very enthusiastic at blockchain uh, as an industry. Um, we as, an, as sort of people who, who love technology, but I think we're at a point where you can see that not everything needs a blockchain, right? I mean, a lot of things are more efficient being, database. being uh, databases that are being centralized and they actually more trusted. You have somebody you can go to. So um, I think it's, it's really, uh, you know, the killer app. Um, and certainly one of the killer apps is really uh, FinTech, but that, that crosses over uh, lines where, where governments get involved um, and, um, you know, things that need to be regulated. So that, that needs to be sorted, that needs to sort, sort its way out. Uh, in places like China, U.S. especially, they're very focused on, on you know, putting the right regulations. So we're cautious. Um, we're actively investing talent, um, perhaps, you know, put some seed money into the best brains, best minds, and, um, you know, helping to develop business over time. That's our strategy so far. Well, hey, last year, it was blockchain everywhere, right? Yeah. If you remember, we were going everywhere. We were talking about blockchain, all the different side events that were happening. Um, what are you feeling this year? I mean, are you still seeing blockchain being up there? Is AI picking up more in terms of those investments, in terms of the conversations you're having? Are you seeing more activity uh, just in the conversations here at Davos, not just the general market, but in your conversations? Well, this year certainly is, it's uh, more macro issues, I think. Uh, you know, certainly China, global economy, Chinese slowdown, uh, the trade situation. But on the technology side, um, you know, I, I, I just sat into a um, panel on the uh, future of 5G. I thought that was interesting. That was a fully packed panel. Uh, CEO of AT&T, uh, CEO of Ericsson, all the uh, really the top tier uh, executive in the space were in there. Uh, that that I think that holds a lot of promise. Um, you know, in China, uh, you can potentially argue that would be um, perhaps 5G would be uh, rolled out the, 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 in, in the most efficient, perhaps the fastest way, and uh, some of the technology that's uh, developed in China that could uh, lead to uh, you know, interesting applications uh, in that market first, maybe lead the world in, in sort of 3G, uh, 5G mobile. Kind of apps, and, and, and I, think that, I think that's a fascinating area. So, multiplexing, robotic surgery, telemedicine, all those things could come to life having the right 5G infrastructure. Yeah, I mean, in China, certainly a lot of our focus has been on um, consumer internet, social networks, social e commerce. One of our big investments uh, three years ago was Pinduoduo that went public last year, you know, zero to $100 billion in sales in four years. Um, you know, with AI, uh, with, still on AI, with uh, you know, 5G. Um, it's, it's not inconceivable shopping. You can take shopping to the next level, even um, real time, be able to feel the orange, you know, uh, smell it or something. You know, I don't know what the what imagination well, is. The, the haptics are good. Yeah. Is that firm or is that not firm, right? So, yeah, yeah, that is. No, I, I was at, uh, Ray and I were at the largest retail conference in the US, NRF, last week. And it was amazing to see that uh, affirmation that the smartphone is your remote control for life. And the fact that you can have AI powered application on a smartphone, video streaming as the preference, social networking as the norm. And now you're seeing augmented reality where folks are pointing their smart device, their smartphone and placing, whether it's furniture or products using three dimension augmented reality. And really almost like you said, touching and feeling and having those senses come to yeah. life through a phone. Now imagine 5G's promise of 100x more speed and yeah. capacity. 
you're absolutely right. I think it will it, it'll be rocket fuel for e-commerce, which is again an untapped multi-trillion-dollar uh, uh, opportunity for businesses. Now, my 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 final question to you, Ron. You know, we're in this uh, era of multiplied innovation, where it's a combination of mobile and social and cloud and AI and blockchain and other technologies, all combined to produce. Uh, delightful customer experiences that are that are mostly mobile. In this era of multiplied innovation, as you look to invest in companies, how much business model innovation opportunities do you see versus just modernizing existing legacy processes? Are, are business leaders really thinking about the next Airbnb, Uber, Netflix, Alibaba, where you're creating new sources of revenue not from existing capabilities, but completely new? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, in the China context so far, we've been investing really on um, uh, one, talent, people who have experience in starting companies. You know, company, start, company creation is not, cannot be learned in business school. It has to be done uh, firsthand. And uh, people with experience is certainly very valuable too. I think it's mostly around business model information. Um, technology development takes a lot of capital uh, and it's quite a bit of uncertainty. And uh, as an early stage VC fund in China, where there's more consumer activity, more about usage, so far that's been the focus. But I think having said that, I think with 5G and the way you talked about the convergence of all this, all these different great technologies really last five years, um, you know, in the Chinese corporation, the enterprise market being more cutting edge than ever as the state-owned companies uh, so reform themselves, uh, the enterprise technology market, uh, hard technology might be and we will probably do more of that going forward. Wow, very, very interesting. Well, hey, from the front lines up here in Davos, thank you so much for being here, Ron. We're getting a little insights on China, the scene that's happening, and of course, what's going on. Uh, thank you so much for being thank on the show. Much. We'll catch you in a little bit. Okay, so. thank you. Thanks so much, Ron. Wow, this is our quick speed edition um, of what's going on here at Davos. Um, yeah, any, any words on your end, Bob? What observations are you seeing from the outside view in of what's going on here? So. You know, certainly following the social sphere around uh, Davos, there are definitely culture, core values, uh, economy and health of economy globally as well as local. Those, those high level themes, I think, as compared to last year, I think it's much less technology focused per se and more about, you know, how do we help stakeholders, employees, customers, partners, communities thrive uh, in this uh, era of globalization 4.0. I'm more curious about how you're spending time with folks like Will I Am talking about data privacy. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about how you are, uh, you know, networking with not only celebrities and business leaders, but talking about really complex issues with folks that, uh, that, uh, that I find unlikely talking about things like data privacy and, and, and data as property. <laughs> You know, it was crazy, right? I mean, you're just walking on the street, you bump into people. I, I sat down with like, you know, I, I saw Amy Cuddy at a pizza shop, right? Oh, so, yeah. Talking about books and other things, right? You know, oh, so we saw Amy Cuddy. I mean, uh, you know, I, I'm watching Don Tapscott. If you watch my Twitter feed, there's Tapscott jumping in, doing great balls of fire with Barry, the piano guy, right, at the piano bar. Right, so, so the conversations are casual. I had the best conversation over dinner yesterday with Tom King, right? Bloomberg, right? I was thinking, da, 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 da. Mm -hmm. the whole history of how the theme came about and uh, just talking about different things. So, I mean, it's that intimate conversation that you can only get here in this kind of event that's been great. And, and 
honestly, like I've been going to bed at four to 5 a.m. every morning and waking up at seven. So it's uh, like I could do about one more night of this and that's pretty much it, so. That's amazing. Well, I look forward to your summary of all of the, all of your observations, all of the special networking opportunities take place. I know, I, I suspect you're gonna be working on your new book and hopefully, uh, you know, being a very active participant at Davos helps shape your narrative. Your final comments uh, with, uh, I believe this is gonna be our final special edition, Disrupt TV from Davos. So keep an eye on uh, us getting back on a regular cadence of our Friday shows. Yeah, catch us next week on Fridays, 11 a.m. Pacific. And of course, uh, catch us at uh, 2 p.m. Eastern. Uh, you can always catch us uh, on Disrupt TV every week on Friday. We've got some special guests for episode number 135. So can you believe that, 135? <laughs> it is. It's Almost 310 unique guests that you and I have had the privilege to interview. Thank you so much for watching us. This is Ray Wong live from World Economic Forum at Davos. Vala Akshar here. Find us both on Twitter, engage with us, and uh, recommend guests. We look forward to making sure that we bring business leaders, thought leaders that you want to hear from. So thank you very much, Dave. Uh, Ray, safe travels from Davos, and uh, good seeing you on uh, during midweek, not on a Friday. <laughs> Catch us on our anniversary show. That's what's going on. So, all right, talk to you later. Thanks, hey, thanks a lot. Bye. Bye.